Good evening. I am in the United States, Eastern Standard Time, and I greet you wherever you are. It might be morning, noon, or evening, night. But I greet you still in the name of Jesus Christ because at this time all over the world, He is present. It is so good that you have joined us tonight. I am very glad that you're here. Tonight, we are supposed to, or were supposed to begin a series with Pastor John Thomas, and that series would be Living Single with God. That uh, start date has been delayed and may be picked up by Pastor Thomas on a different uh, platform. Still in all, it is a good night review some things to go through uh, what has happened over the past uh, 31 days, right? God has been extremely faithful, and he caused us to read through the book of Proverbs. And reading through that book has been more than an eye-opener for me. I, of course, had read through the book many times. Well, I won't say many, many times, but I've enough so that my Bible is completely, you know, marked up with and highlighting um, several of the verses. But something fresh and new happened as we read aloud and shared via this podcast. Uh, I was awakened to these words of wisdom and reconsidered the Word of God in these short contrasts sound bites which contrast a righteous life from one of folly, foolishness, or wickedness. And it has been a very impacting uh, review. And I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to do it. I also uh, recognized a certain pattern in the book of Proverbs and realize that there's a great deal of repetition on the things. And as they are repeated, they are also reviewed from different um, points of view. And it has been so, so good. So the Lord blessed us to get through them. And as um, arduously as we went at it, <laughs> he sustained and kept us. And so we have completed the reading of the Proverbs. And I've got to tell you, it was wonderful. It really was wonderful. And just before we started in the book of Proverbs, uh, the Lord had led me in a discussion of love and the language of love, using a different vocabulary to talk about love. Good evening, Sister Reams and Sister Light Touch. So good that you're here. I just announced that Pastor John Thomas will not begin his series this evening and that we are awaiting uh, the platform that he actually will, will begin to do that series with. Um, and so it's delayed and it will be announced via my podcast, but it, they may choose to do another uh, venue such as, I don't know, maybe, I don't know what it's going to be, but they're considering several things. And one of the reasons for that is that the congregation 
Okay. Hello, Pastor John Thomas. You've entered the studio. Do you want to sit in the co-host seat? I am going to send you an invitation. Uh, but as I was saying, that series will be announced at another time. And Pastor Thomas can do it, actually. Maybe he came to do it tonight. I'm not quite sure. But here we go. He may come to be in the co-host suit. I just sent you an invitation, Pastor Thomas. Please do come. And as uh, we're waiting for that, I will continue with what I was saying about this new language of love. You know, let's talk love. Not let's talk about love, but let's actually talk love. So consider that love itself is such a good topic. And I believe that love is probably the one thing that all human beings crave. And yet, I don't think we know a whole lot about it. I don't think you can know love until you actually know God's love for you. Then you really begin to have it unfold. God's love, not just for you, but it's universal. He created the world and he loves his world. He loves every one that he made in the world. And so John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, so is an adverb. It gives an extension uh, in quantity to the word love. So he so loved the world. He loved it so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him, his only begotten son, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that means not just that you would, you know, faint, be faint of heart or faint from want of water or, you know, perish from lack of food, but perish from life itself. Life is eternal when we enter into relationship with God, one through Jesus Christ for what we call salvation. And so did Jesus call it salvation, saved from the eternity of separation from God, saved from an eternity of the state of death, not being alive to God, saved from the eternal um, loss, from rewards for living in the kingdom with God, saved from our own sins and those things that wind us up and keep us bound in a state of being that never brings the kind of joy or happiness that we are seeking in the world. And when we use the word happiness, people will say, you know, joy is not happiness, but I beg to differ. When we come to know Christ, there is not just a joy, but there is an absolute turning of my emotional uh, response to things. I actually get happy. And the Bible says, happy is the man whose mind is stayed on thee. It's a quote. And the thee is God. Happy is the man whose mind is stayed on thee. So I'm going to pick up with that. Now, I'm waiting for Pastor Thomas. I've sent you an invitation, Pastor Thomas. It should be in your email. If you uh, you know click on, you can link in and definitely uh, we can talk about a decision or you can tell us a little bit more about um 
you know, what's going to happen with uh, let, uh, living single with God um, in, in the next couple, couple of weeks or whatever the decision is that will be made there. It will be delayed. And as I told the listening audience, it will also be announced. So <clears throat> the, the, um, the pickup here until Pastor Thomas comes is that we're going to continue to talk more about love. It is very important. And so I'm going to read tonight from the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It's known as the love chapter. And I'm going to read it uh, from two different versions, just so we don't get like, you know, bound in the language of archaic English, which the King James Version is written in. And uh, we will be, you know, kind of loosed to a modern uh, rendering of it. But I'm going to read it first from the book of 1 Corinthians. One thing that the King James uh, Bible does is it holds it holds intact the poetic rendering of the word of God. You see, it isn't just that the inspiration to write the Bible was given um, in just, you know, everyday plain old speak, whatever, right? But it is, it, it, there's parts of it that adhere to the conventions of uh, Hebrew poetry or Greek up upper speak, so to speak. And uh, so we want to kind of read it there so that it holds uh, that poetic rendering, you know. And sometimes that approach to reading something um, brings with it not just the words, but it brings a tone and an ambience and an overshadowing. So I want to, to I want to read it that way. So chapter 13 reads, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoice not, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly. 
but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even also as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. That is a packed full of wisdom chapter. And the description of love bound in these words is complete. God in his um, sovereignty, God in his mercy, God in his knowledge, God in his love has left us a word that is universal and it is everlasting. In other words, it applies to people no matter where they live, no matter what culture they come from. It never ever changes, even though time keeps rolling on. The word of God is stable. It is constant and its meaning does not vary. It can be applied no matter what is going on around us because of the truth that it speaks. And see, truth is not relative to time, culture, or society. Truth is straight up just plain truth. And so here we have it. And I want to kind of break down a few of these. This is not going to be a once and for all expression or exegesis of this chapter because of its uh, depth. Now, we just finished the Proverbs. And as I said, I did this, you know, extemporaneous kind of talk on let's talk love. Let's come up with some vocabulary so that when we begin to talk um, that say say things like love you and, you know, very cliche kind of, you know, culturally uh, uh, expedient little terms that we use. I love you, you know, or I love you. Oh, love you much. You know, I love you, love you more or love you back, these, you, we throw away these words sometimes. Now, I'm not saying that everybody always throws them away. I believe my brother, every time he said, love you back, I believe that man meant it. In his passion, in his compassion, in his commitment, in his stability, in his constant response, to family members or anyone that he set his love on, he was there. And he was the most courageous of men I ever met. So if you were in trouble, he was there unafraid. I loved my brother, Gail. And um, he is now passed on. And when it was time for him to depart from this world, he gave it up and told us he was trying to die. Courageous, he had no fears and he had relationship but it wouldn't have at sometimes you know one would not have necessarily thought that he was that deeply involved with the lord but he was and so that is where we're going with this the kind of love that is stable 
In other words, it's not fickle. It doesn't go up and down with temperatures. It isn't, you know, uh, it doesn't change because I'm, I'm disappointed with you today. It doesn't change because you didn't make me smile today. It doesn't change because you uh, went off and, you know, looked at someone else more than you looked at me. His love didn't change. It wasn't fickle. And as we are talking about many things, really and truly, I'm cool. I'll Oh, if you talk, oh, I'll, um, so it, it's not a fickle kind of love. And what I have found in life is that at its worst, love is uh, uh, an attraction that doesn't hold, but people say they're in love. And at best, it can be sacrificial. But when we look at God, you know, when we look at what the Lord has done, we see love in action. And so God speaks to us as if he has emotions. And I believe he does. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, in that, I believe there is an emotional uh, telling forth, but it isn't the kind of emotion. going to change so that um, uh, we don't have to worry. Uh, but time, God's love has built into it an effect. And that effect for us is emotional, but the effect is also one of reciprocal love. We in turn love him. So it's requited, I should say. It's received and it's a requited love. We don't uh, hold back. We give God what we can give him as love. You know, we don't, we're not as good at it as the Lord is, but we do our best once we um, uh, have come to know his love, you know? Um, and so, listen, darling, somebody is calling me and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to send them an, inv you know, an invitation uh, to get in so that they can hear it. So give me one second. Um, and here we go. So now I said I was going to read this from another uh, version and I'm, I'm reading the Holman Bible here, which is kind of like the American standard. I, I got it by, mis you know, it just, I didn't go out and buy this Bible. It was a gift to me. So I'm going to read it here. And so love this in the in the King James uh, version of the Bible, we say the way of love, and yet through the reading, the word is charity. In this uh, Holman Bible, it's love, the superior way, and there's no way greater than love. If I speak the languages of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Now, guys, I'm, I'm through this. I'm reading this. I'm going to stop a little bit. Think about this. If I can do all these things that are really quite good, you know, they're very, very respected in the world. 
you speak languages of men and of angels. You know, uh, there are some of us who've studied languages. And I had a professor who could speak six fluent languages. She taught me German and she taught my husband a Russian. Okay. Um, she's six languages. She had under her belt to a T. She was born with the gift. Greatly admired as a as an academic, right? But uh, she didn't love the Lord. Well, I don't know what she felt about the Lord. She was not a Christian. So this Bible says that you can do this, right? You can speak the languages of men and of angels. Now, and the, of angels to me reminds me that um, that there are those who are very, um, they are very. Um, amazing. See, we got some people who came just to hear Pastor Thomas tonight talk about living single with God. Good evening. I am so glad you're here. Emperor Liel and um, Light Touching, uh, Sharon and uh, let's see, Sister Reams and uh, Pastor John, of course, and a few others. I just sent invitations out. So, um, what I'm saying is that people who can preach to the high heavens, they really know how to preach. You know, through the years, I've sat with some serious preachers. There is a man, in, uh, the, the, the professor of preaching at Duke University is one of the finest preachers ever I did here. That man is, is on, on, on par with uh, Martin Luther King, who I think was uh exceptional, right? And not only are they well-spoken, they articulate God's world well, but they have insight. And when they preach, you just sit up and say, good gracious. Pastor Thomas is another one who brings detail. And so is a good thing. I think of that as, you know, the tongue of angels. <laughs> I don't know what else to say because I've never heard an angel speak. Uh, not that not that they don't speak. They do. The Bible records. They speak on behalf of God. They say what the Lord tells them to say, right? They are servants of God. And they are that without question. But there are these people who can do all this. But the Bible says you could do all this stuff. But if you don't have love, you might just as well be a sounding gong. Now, you know what a gong is. If you've ever watched a, you know, um, a movie and they're showing the uh, royalty of of any court. And when someone comes in to see the king, they hit this big gong. That's a gong and <clears throat> a clanging same symbol. Well, when I was in the band in college, I was, I didn't want to uh, be a majorette when I was in college and, and I was in, you know, so I was playing a concert instrument. I didn't want to play that either. And, and the, the, the uh, band director gave me the symbols where well, they're very heavy. And if you don't know what you're doing with them because you can't control them, they'll just hit off beat. So you got to really hold those things together. So a clanging cymbal is very noisy. When you see someone say that a set of drums right there, but this cymbal's there, <coughs> excuse me. If they don't know what they're doing, you just hear a lot of noise. And that little <coughs> tin pan sound. That clanging sound is very noisy and it really will get on your nerves because it hits your ears at, a, at high decibels and it hurts, right? So a clanging simple, no love, nothing. You have nothing going on for you. And then it further says, if I have the gift of prophecy, 
and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Now, doesn't this make you want to stop and say to yourself, um, really? I'm not still muted, am I, darling? I did um, take the mute off. Light touch. Please speak back to me and make, let me know. I was coughing, so I muted for a second. But anyway, um, <clears throat> this is this is frightening. So you have all this stuff going on. You know, you got the gift of prophecy, which means you can tell, uh, you can speak forth God's word. You might even be able to see where prophecy has already uh, given us a warning of things to come. You have within your gift the ability <clears throat> to break it out and make others know. And then you have faith so that you can remove mountains, right? But you don't have love. The Bible says you're nothing. Thank you. You are absolutely nothing. This to me is bothersome because to love another human being is not easy. Now, to have emotions about them for a moment. You know, you feel real good about a person and you can kind of handle it as long as you feel good. But love goes way beyond you feeling good about a particular person. God's love, as is written, is for the whole world. And as much as I might think he loves me more than he loves anybody else, he does not really, trust me. He's, he's as good to you if, if you are his, as he is to me, he died for every one of us. And when we come to him in repentance, he is the same God who forgives and who nurtures us into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ so that we can enter into total eternity, that eternity that doesn't stop with him. Okay, so now think about this, right? Um, but he's calling on us to love your what enemies. Oh my goodness. Well, now, gee, mm, that has nothing to do with how somebody makes me feel, does it? Feeling good, by the way. I, I, my enemy, truly, Lord, you want me to love them, do good to them, do despiteful. Come on, love the poor, you know, love even uh, the uh, people who would see you uh, diminished within your own community or within your own family. Love those who are at odds with you. So then you must stop and say, what is this love you're asking me to have for these people that I right now don't even like? You see what I mean? This is where this is where the, the, the thought of this, you, you, we got to deal with that, right? Uh, so then it says, and if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, many people have done so. They've gone to, to be burned for the sake of the gospel, right? Then, uh, but I don't have love. What do I gain? Now, listen to this. Listen to this next list. Love is patient how patient are we seriously when you want something from someone and they're not willing to go for it, especially somebody you think they ought to give it to you how patient are you can you wait 
for things that you desire when they don't show up when you want them to. Love is also what? Kind. How kind are you? I remember it in, in, in the church that I went to, and my children were raised in this church. Excuse me, extemporaneously, we were called up by the, you know, the uh, the pastor's wife there. She was a worship leader and she also led the women's ministry. And we had a Sunday evening. Now, I don't I don't remember how it just really happened. But she just called me out of the audience and she said, um, tell us something about yourself. <laughs> and I don't know what came over me because I confessed all I said, I'm not very kind. And they all looked at me, you see, because I have a demeanor of kindness. And when you know me, you think I'm kind because I tend to accept and, you know, open and embrace everybody. But let me tell you, in the back of all that, there is a real person. And that real person's name is Phyllis. And I was uh, at that time, you know, my children were just like really, really, really very challenging. And I was very, very guilt ridden. And so I said that the Lord told me and he did. He told me, you're not very kind. And I was shocked when he told me because I'm thinking that I'm kind. But kindness extends to the least of them and to the nearest of them. And my children were near to me. And I loved them as, you know, as best I knew. But I wasn't being very kind. And the Lord dealt with me. He had already spoken it. And then when she called me up and publicly, I had to say something about myself and the Holy Spirit opened my mouth. And that's what I said. And everybody was trying to console me. But you are, Phyllis, you are. No, no, no. See, God sees and God knows. And when we come face to face with him, there is no way that you're going to pretend. Because you see, you might try but he won't let you get by with it. And so love is kind. And love does not envy. Have you ever been jealous of someone? And this is one where I just kind of, I really, I don't know, maybe I have been in my whole life, but I, I don't think I have because I don't kind of have that spirit in me necessarily. But there have been times when I wanted something that I didn't have so probably it is upon strict analysis envy that there's been times when i wanted or, 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 or i wanted what someone else i used to want uh to sing like my mother and my sister and i was just so i would say to the lord all the time why can't i sing like they can sing <laughs> yes sharon we need to be transparent because god knows all and we can walk this earth and pretend as much as we want to but when it's time to stand before the living god creator of all things knows all things see that's really what this, this chapter is describing who god almighty he knows and so we can't we won't be able to pull that wool over his face because he, he he's just not that god you see, he is not a man like we are. So now love uh, doesn't envy. It doesn't envy. It is not boastful. Do you boast in yourself? We just read the Proverbs. Oh, my goodness. Right. All of you out there say amen. If you remember, absolutely. The Proverbs go on and on about this 
boasting and opening your mouth to exalt yourself and make others think that you are someone you are not. Really and truly, it is written in, I think, the seventh chapter of this same book, uh, 1 Corinthians. What have you that you were not given? And if you received it, why do you yet boast? God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And so if you really think you're perfect, you cannot boast in it. You have to give that glory to God and the thanksgiving. You know, like the two men that were praying and one said, oh, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like the sinners, right? And the other one said, Lord, Lord, he was hitting his breast. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Which one of them do you think was justified before God? Yeah, the blind person who thought he was all that or that humble person who could see that he needed the mercy of God. No, not boasting and is not conceited. Oh, I think we all know some conceited people. At some point in your life, you run into someone who just was conceited. They're just wise in their own mind. They just know everything and about everything and all the stuff, right? And they just stand forth as the, you know, I call them <laughs> the well-informed and the beautiful people. And I don't mean that negatively, because really and truly, sometimes conceited people have a reason to me to be conceited. They are all that very scholarly, very knowledgeable, do have it all together. The, the word that we use in the black community for that kind of person is cool. And all these other uses of cool come real short of the true African word, that meaning cool together from top to bottom and in mind and heart cool. Absolutely. But cool cannot be conceited. I don't care how cool cool is. You'd better watch conceit because it does not please the Lord. And let me tell you, it also stirs up strife. So says the Proverbs. I didn't say it. God has said it. And there we have it. You have to believe the Lord. He knows what's going on. And so uh, if he says it does, then it does. And if you watch and look closely and observe, you'll see that self-conceit is a reason to cause others to be angry. So now love doesn't do that <clears throat> and it does not act improperly. You don't act out. You're not always trying to be um, the center of attention right? This is, this is love. Now you're wondering, why is this important when we're talking about love? Just hold on. It's going to take you to the full end of the matter. It is not boastful. It's not conceited. It does not act improperly. It's not selfish. It doesn't hold back, you know? Uh, when a poor person comes to you and asks you for something, the Bible says, if you have it by you to give it to them, don't tell them to go and come again. Do it right then and there. Don't hold back. Don't want it all for yourself. And and uh, don't don't be what God is not. He has not held back from us those things that are good and sufficient. He brings the rain and the sunshine. There is seed time and harvest. And He is not selfish, even though we are in enmity with Him on many occasions and many times. God still is providing. And uh, it does not, uh, it's not easily provoked, okay? <clears throat> 
if I say something that gets on your nerves, all of a sudden you just really don't want to be around me. You're angry, you're angry and fussing back at me. You know, come to admit that there are times when I'm easily hooked. There are times when I get mad. Oh, my poor dear husband. I love the man because we've been married. I shall not tell you how many years, but trust me when I tell you, I feel like I've been married to this man my whole life. <laughs> It's been a long time <laughs> to to stay together, you know. Um, you got to be able to take a thing or two, you know. And the closer you are to the people that you do love, the more they see you and the more they also are exercised in all of this. And so are you. And Light Touch says, it was, good evening, Sharina. It's so good that you're here. It was an excellent journey through Proverbs. You said it. Be at peace with our neighbors. That's what that's what the Proverbs says. And so um, uh, love is not provoked and does not keep a record of wrongs. I'm telling you, that's another thing. Good gracious. Can you forget the sins? Can you forget the transgressions that are, are, are hurled at you? Can you forget them? Once you say, somebody says, I'm sorry, you say, I forgive you. Do you go on and just forget that? Because as far as the East is from the West, so has the Lord distanced our sins from him and he remembers them no more. That's the word of God. And love is what? God is love. Isn't that what the word says? Tony, so good to see you. Listen, uh, finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures. Oh my goodness. What an exercise this word is. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, now he said, though I speak with the tongue of angels and of men, and I have all, you know, I got all this stuff going on up in the first, now he's coming right back to it. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we now know only in part, and we prophesy in part, we are not the end all, be all. God alone knows the beginning from the end and the beginning to the end. See? And it says, uh, but when they, for we, we know in part now, we can't see. In fact, Paul writes, we now see through a glass darkly. In other words, there is a haze over the window through which we see. There is a barrier between us and seeing the fullness of things, but God sees it all. But when uh, the, that which is perfect is come, when the perfect comes, the perfect, what is the perfect? The perfect is the presence of God. The partial wall will come to an end. When I was a child, I spake like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Children, God gives way for children. Now, I want you to get the thing too. When you are born again into the kingdom of God, some people come in like rebel rousers. They come in with all this stuff going on. I, I know all because you see, they read the Bible for the first time. For the first time, they can put on their clothes and feel clean. I get it. I understand it. But you really are a baby. Even though you got the, the, the capabilities, the, the, the strength of, of mind of a, of a grown person, really in the spirit, you're just a, a newborn. So you can't have all that going on. You have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And then he will tell you when you're shining new shoes or suit or whatever it is you think you look fabulous in and all the knowledge that you've gained. He'll tell you when it's seasoned and time 
to be exalted. Under his mighty hand, we shall all be exalted in due season. Let it be that God does the work there, right? Because he's the one who knows. So we speak as a child, but he says, when I became a man, I put aside the childish things. Now, as we're being raised in Christ, we allow him to not be as a scoffer, but to actually chastise us and bring us into an understanding Pastor Thomas, you should be sitting in that co-host seat up there because that is his total message. With all that getting, get understanding. Don't go out like the sparrow who builds a raggedy nest. And you know, you, you're dropping a, a little bit of knowledge here and a little bit of knowledge there, you know, but you're not putting it all together and acting it out in the fullness of its meaning and understanding, right? So when I became a, ch a man, I put away the childish things. Let the Lord bring us up. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part, but then we will be known fully. And as I am fully known, now these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, I'll tell you, this is not the ending, but this is a summation. Chapter 13 on, the, on love is like Proverbs to the whole Bible. Proverbs are little sound bites that contrast, in most cases, wickedness with righteousness, righteousness with wickedness, right? Little, little, little sayings. You can grab one of them and, you know, you can walk with it because it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, it's not an adage, but it is a, it's a proverb, right? These are wise sayings, but um, you, 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 you get them. The chapter 13 is like that. Check yourself time and time again. Go in and read it. And then refer back to the Sermon on the Mount and hear what Jesus is telling us when it comes to loving somebody. And then just keep on reading. Like in Corinthians, and Paul is talking to them about uh, coming together, what it should be like, how he wants them to be of one mind. Come on, just keep on dealing with yourself and let the Lord perfect in us. By perfect, I don't mean come to perfection where you're never, ever going to make a slip up at all. I mean, let God mature you like it is written here. As a child, you know, you have to learn to walk and you have to learn how to talk. And you have to learn to be with other people. You know, some as children, human beings have to learn everything. We just are not born with it. And so you have to, you really do have to be humbled because if, you, if you're not, you'll never kind of get what it's like to be in a social environment. You will never act right. And I don't care how much uh, people in this society go against the grain of the society. I don't like this and it shouldn't be that way. And don't talk to my child like that. And don't listen. I don't want you talking about children like that either. But there are times when we just ought to stand up and recognize that children have to be trained. They have to be, because as, as grown people, they will be so out of order if we don't train them. And love, my mother used to tell us, tell somebody say amen out there, if you know anything about my mama, she would say, I am going to, I'm going to teach you at home. I will teach you here. And when Koki said she was teaching you, she wasn't sitting down talking to you. Like she said, so that when you leave here, people will love you. That's what my mother would say. 
If we do it at home, we take care of it here. And when my mother looked at me in public, I knew to shut up or to sit down or to be as quiet and as docile as I could be in the moment. And good manners will take you into king's palaces. And we had to have good manners. And it was no pretense. You had them at home. And when you went out, it was first nature, not second nature, first nature. See, because it overrode the first nature that I had when I was born. And that was one of no, no restraint, no wisdom, no understanding. That's what it is. That's love, my darlings. Let's talk love. Love is built in God and God is stable. God is not, uh, you know, like water. He's not like running every which way. No, no, no. God is stable. And in his stability, his decision to love us never changes. It doesn't wobble. It's not fickle. It's not dependent on how we treat him. You have every choice as an unbeliever to know him and to come in to his kingdom and experience that embracing love as the one who's already come into the kingdom and is experiencing that embracing love. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't like men more than he likes women. He doesn't like women more than he likes men. He doesn't like the scholar more than he likes the unlearned. He doesn't like the unlearned more than he likes the scholar. He doesn't like the poor more than he likes the rich, nor does he like the rich more than he likes the poor. God is no respecter of persons. What God loves is the whole world. And then when he gives you the choice in words that Joshua spoke, choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. Okay, that's, that's my decision. But you choose. Make that choice. And if you choose God, the benefits of his love are yours. And they are magnanimous. I can tell you that they, are, they go on and on and on. So when you really get into his embrace, come on, pastor, you wrote the, the chapter, out of your head into God's arms. Oh, I love that title because that is ultimately exactly what we want to do. We want to get out of our heads. My reasoning is perverse. Perverse meaning it is in opposition to God. Because I am not God, you see. I'm born in sin. I've inherited a nature that makes me need God. And when I'm in love, now, we, you know, we're not like the Greek language, and, and every pastor will be able to tell you this because this now has gotten to be just common knowledge, right? God's love is referred to as an agape. Agape. The kind of love that only God has. And that's the kind that is described in, 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 in chapter 13 here. But he makes it accessible to us because we are his reborn children. Now we have his nature, you see. The spirit is on and we can hear from him. We can be guided by him. And that nature becomes our own. We are made new creatures. So I can really learn to love. I really can. And all I have to do is continue to deny this flesh of mine and let this 
you know, this quickened spirit of mine, this made alive spirit, go ahead and take me in because I do plan to go in. I used to tell the Lord all the time, I cannot live this life and then miss heaven. No way, no way, no way. God, you've got to fix it. Father, keep me. And when these thoughts hit your head, you tell those thoughts exactly where to get off. So now listen, do not declare that you love anybody until you have sat before the Lord and understood how he loves you. And if he loves you, and if he has pardoned you, and if he has given you mercy, and if every day his mercy meets you in the new day, and if he says to us, my love is everlasting, I never change. And if he tells you, if you sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you. If you confess, come on, who am I to withhold love from anybody? As we were talking through Proverbs, you know, I, I, I told the story of one day. I love this pastor friend of mine. She's female, you know, she's a reverend. And she's a very busy girl, really busy, busier than me. But she's busy out in the field. In fact, I did a podcast with it's called In the Field with Purpose because she's out there. You know, she doesn't have any little ones to keep her back. She can do what she wants to do. I have no problem with that. But, you know, when people are busy like that, they expect you to be busy with them. Well, I do. I have a husband. I have grandchildren. After You know, I got, I got a different life. I can't keep up like that. I cannot keep up like that. I don't want to keep up like that. So it's not my thing to do. It's her thing to do. Well, she calls me. She's just getting me told about something. I can't even remember what it was. In this wonderful, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from me. That's the spirit of God. That's the Lord. Anyway, she talked to me. I told I told my friend about this. And uh, when, when she finished, you know, I knew what she was doing. She's laying me out a little bit. And when she finished, I said, well, you know, I, I didn't mean whatever. I apologize. And I said, I'm really sorry. And, and so we got off the phone and I was coming down the stairs. And when I got to about the third step, it hit me that nothing she said had bothered me. That was new and improved. And I stopped and I said, Lord, what have you done? You have fixed me. Fixed me. Because, you know, that any other time I might have told her a thing or two. Who can know? I don't know. Or maybe I might not have said very much, but I wouldn't have felt good about what she said either. You know what I mean? I want to measure up to this. Listen, it's going to, let's see, what did Tony write? Tony says, his love is kind, patient, long-suffering. That's right, long-suffering. Make sure we underscore that one. It endurance of our iniquities and fills our hearts with so much peace and joy. That's the love of God. And that's, you know, it's because he's stable like that, because he's constant, because he is not fickle and coming in and out and fussing at you all the time and saying you ought to do this and you ought to do that, which he tells us what we ought to do for sure. What we better do, as a matter of fact, see, the Lord doesn't pull any punches with you. He doesn't make it sound sweet when it's really, really, really not. It's bitter. God tells the truth all the time. And yes, the water on the duck's back syndrome, that's what I call it. When I realized that the Lord had fixed me like that, and I, you know, you pray for a thing, and then when he shows it to you, you're so shocked. You think, oh my goodness, has he done it? He has really done it. And I, I just don't tend to be really, really, really upset about a lot of things. I do still get, uh, you, you, can, you can pinch me, surely. I will, 
I will feel it. And the, and if you cut me, I surely will bleed. And, you know, that's real. With, but with, with that, a, a certain restraint, a restraint that makes you not hate the person, but go keep on, keep on caring, keep on loving. And you're not holding the grudge. You're not standing back in there. So when we're looking for love, right now, um, uh, we we think of we think of being with someone in an intimate relationship as you know being the fulfillment of what we're looking for in this life but let me tell you this you can be with someone and still not be fulfilled you can live in and out of ecstatic emotions and still not be fulfilled you can desire and have those desires uh, uh, satisfied and still not be fulfilled. Because you see, these things are very temporal. The relationship between a man and a woman in marriage is like likened to the relationship of Jesus Christ and his church. So men, before you think you want to get in there, think very seriously. Am I ready, like Jesus Christ, to endure his church? God's church is a crazy thing, you know what I'm saying? We're not we're not wonderful folks, and yet his love continues. And women, are you going to be faithful as his church ought to be? Because, you know, he's coming for one without spot or wrinkle. Do we have spots and wrinkles? If you went through Proverbs with us, it wasn't until we got to the very last chapters you know, a couple of times in there that women were spoken very highly of. <laughs> we were reminded of how contentious we can be. <laughs> and what it wasn't like, we were like dr rain, dripping rain. <laughs> uh, so as a woman who is, is contentious, you know, just that constant, 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 right? And it better to live in, in a, what was it, Gabs? On a, on a rooftop over in a corner somewhere than to live with a contentious woman or to live with a harlot. Or to be with a woman who has no grace and all that, all that, you know, we're we're so guilty. But men don't think you got away because it talked also about men who you know, stir up strife and all that stuff. So none of us are good down here. And yet God's love persists. His love persists. He doesn't just say, I'm going to love you and then wait for you to be good so he can love you. No, it persists. Francis Bacon wrote the poem, Hound Dog of Heaven, where God searched him out. No matter where he was and what he was doing, that hound dog, he said, was on his back, right at his heels. Persistent love. Can we pray for that love? And we're not finished because, of course, we're talking love. So we need a vocabulary. And we started that. I will bring it back again. And I do hope that uh, when Pastor uh, comes to uh, settle on a date, when he will do Living Single with God, that you guys will all be, <clears throat> oh, so many of you have come in this evening, uh, F-Q-Q-E-U-P-U-D. We welcome you here. Sharina, I think I did say welcome. And um I hope I didn't miss anyone, but the, these are important conversations and I would love it if you would write your questions about living single with God. It is important because while we are single, you know, the Lord has great access to our lives. 
You're not responsible uh, for children or husbands, you know? You don't have those responsibilities. Not that he's gonna overwork you or take advantage, he won't. But there are some things that you can experience in the singleness that maybe you would miss if you were married. And not that God wants to withhold a spouse from you. He does not. Uh, if that is your calling, you will definitely have one. It is written that you marriage is honorable and the marriage bed undefiled in Christ. God knows us and he, he made it, by the way. He created marriage. He gave Adam Eve because it was not good, he said, for a man to be alone. He did that. He is very aware. And God understands our, you know, perverse emotional roller coaster lifestyle. So he's trying, not trying. He has made provision for all things. But what good is it to be in a relationship when we don't yet understand exactly what the relationship is or should look like or should be like? what the expectations are in the relationship. I think there's so much more to say. You know, um, people are misused and abused in relationships because they don't understand it. People misuse and abuse others in relationships because they don't understand it. People get very disappointed and they get very fickle in relationships because they don't understand it. You get very disappointed. You just won't, don't want to be there anymore. Divorce is happening up one side and down the other. In record number, folks are giving up their marriages, which makes me think you, you got in it way too soon, way too quickly. You didn't know what you were going for. And you, in this uh, present world, we don't have a lot of, well, in the Western world, not we don't have a lot of um, uh, mentorship that there's, a, there's not a lot of models up for these marriages. So folks who look at, so it's, what, what are we looking for? What is it? What is it? I don't see a picture of it. Well, the picture is Christ in his church. Christ being the, the um, head of the church and the church being his bride. It's true, mommy, so says Tony. Nehemiah was living in a uh, nice palace and the king liked him so much, but he felt unfulfilled because of the broken wall in Jerusalem. He had everything he wanted in the palace, but he was still not about uh, the broken wall until he built it up, despite his own friends teasing him. Absolutely. That's a real good, really good example. He was a man who was a cupbearer to the king. He was single. And when he found, you know, he knew that the wall in, in, in Jerusalem was down, the Lord used him to go back. And not only did he build a wall, he brought Israel back to a loyalty to their own faith. It's amazing what God can do. It's amazing what God can do and will do. And darlings, I want to share this to you. Know, I am being very, somebody said being transparent. You know, at this point in life, what, what's left to do? You know what I'm saying? I, God has done so much good for fellas. I have experienced so much. There's not much that you can talk about in life, you know, that, um, that I haven't seen a little 
vision of just because of the family I come from and because of the work that I've done. Uh, oh, Pastor Thomas says, being single with God allows us to have a relationship with him only to pre uh, prepare up to have a natural relationship on earth. Well done. That's well spoken. Absolutely. Knowing God. And if you missed the little our segment, right, on Let's Talk Love, the Lord really took me back to Genesis. I looked at the book of Genesis to begin to, to define love. Because in the beginning, in the beginning, God, see, he's the beginning of everything. In the beginning. And then we looked at how he prepared and just placed everything in order and how he just, oh, what he did there before he even got to man. And then the mercy of God to put him out of that garden so he wouldn't live forever in hell, really and truly live as a wicked person, you know? So you're right, Pastor John Thomas. And you know, these everybody is um, is waiting for you to do this. Um, so wherever, when, whenever you're going to start it on whatever platform, I think that it is a, it's an amazing subject. It is a very, very much uh, for this present time when we see more people just living together. We just see a lot of promiscuity. We, we've been talking about, you know, uh, unwed, uh, wait a minute, unwed mothers and derelict fathers, you know, who won't step up and take care of their children. Why? Because nobody, we're not talking the responsibility of things. We're not uh, talking about God's um, righteousness. We're not talking about his love. We're not talking about what life really means, what it's all about. And people get so despondent and they get so disappointed. And we're not talking about the suicide that comes from whatever is coming from out there. We're not saying, I mean, we are in our little groups, you know what I'm saying? The little groups. But the world needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from people who are standing on same ground. We don't save people. It isn't, I, I don't have the power to save anyone, but I do have the spirit to witness. And the anointing of God on a life and on the words that we speak, which are his words, we're just repeating him, can break the yokes over other people's lives. That's love, to care beyond the boundaries of my own life, to step beyond, to be willing to see the pain and to share the solutions that we have found in Christ. That's it. Ah, glory to God. Chuck and Billy's not your cup of tea into the last studio. <laughs> These handles are fabulous. Chuck and Billy's not your cup of tea. That's gorgeous. I love that. I should come. It's a small restaurant, I'm assuming. Okie dokie. And I, uh, I don't, I'm a coffee lover, but um, I will drink a cup of tea 
and I am uh, being single with God. I love these. Oh, all of the comments are so wonderful. So you can really be with someone regardless of their offers and still feel unfeel. Absolutely. And, and let me tell you, you can feel lonely. By the way, marriage goes through these seasons, you know what I mean? Like, um, I shall tell you that I have been married well into the 40, you know, I mean, that I've been married for a long time. And um, what I've learned is that it is, my girlfriend said it best. She says, when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's sad. And that's marriage, truly. <laughs> and that doesn't that doesn't say that the marriage isn't good. That just says that two people cannot constantly feed each other the things that are necessary to keep them, you know, up and you know, it just hunky dory and happy and laughing and all that. No, God is the only answer for that. Only God. But when I settle with someone and I'm sharing my life. My love for them grows. Yes, it grows. But it grows not in lust. It, goes, it grows in the same love that we've just read now in the book, of the 13th chapter of Corinthians. It gets stable. And my concern for this other person is like God's concern. You always want the best. You're always doing what you can do to make sure that their lives are fulfilled. It's like a parent to her own children or to their children, you know, father of mother. That's love. Remember the vocabulary we started with? Love prepares. You don't bring somebody into a relationship unless you have first considered what is there to share. And I'm not talking about money or houses, or cars. I'm not talking about that. What is it within me? What do I have that I can share that would enhance someone else's well-being? Well-being, right? So we'll go back and, and we will we will hash through that. Now, oh yes, Light Touch, thank you. A continual dripping, a contentious woman. We <laughs> uh, rather that you go to the rooftops, husbands. <laughs> Don't stay in the house with her. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, we had so much fun reading Proverbs and 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 then the, the final show. I don't know why you all missed that last two o'clock yesterday because uh, God sent to us the uh, dessert. We had the icing on. The, we had we had the dessert. That's how I'm going to leave it. Not the icing on the. I said the icing on the. Proverbs cake, but that dessert was sweet and gentle and kind, and it came out of experience and a, a, a word spoken to another person um, about uh, the summer. She she literally summarized the, the our time there. It has been a good show. It's been a very good moment in time. The Lord is very good, and I hope that you will continue to um, uh, fellowship with us. We finished the Proverbs now, so we will not be on at 9 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. every night. However, uh, Pastor Thomas will still be here Wednesday, uh, this coming Wednesday at 8 o'clock, as he has been for the last 11 weeks. And maybe it'll be that he, you know, he's winding down 
but he will be here this Wednesday. And God willing, we will continue with our Monday night sessions so that uh, we, we won't leave this uh, hanging in the air. Also, the, the episode list is building again with every one of the In All Thy Getting, Get Understanding uh, recordings. You'll be able to go up and listen to those. Also, the Let's Talk Love series will come behind it and our Proverbs will come up just behind it. So by the grace of God, we will not uh, miss being able to hear, hear certain of these again. Some of them were exquisite, spiritually exquisite. I just want you to know God really, he really paid attention to us in the reading of these Proverbs. And so also I am praying very much about uh, setting a live schedule because I I do want to uh, continue in fellowship with those of you who have come alongside during this uh, month of of January, what month of July? And um, and, and, and I want you guys to do as I ask you to do. Please write your questions about living single with God or questions about love. Please write them and send them to, I'm going to sit, type it right here for you, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S uh, at the app sign there. Where is it? At, at, Phyllis, at, okay, Rehoboth. Institute, H-O-B-O-T-H-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot org, RehobothInstitute.org. Send me. Tony, um, I, I also am going to send a, um, an invitation for interviews. I have met some really wonderful people and I would like to talk more. Tony has a phenomenal um, testimony that he did share with us one night live, just in part. Um, But we want to talk with Tony because I I do believe from what he said that God has a a serious, uh, well, all calls are serious, but the Lord has a direction for Tony's life. We want to keep up with that. And uh, I have uh, two, two women in the audience there. They've been uh, faithful and my friends, and I love them so much. I think impression is not in here. And there are others of you that I would just love to know. Oh, Chuck and Bye were here. Hello there. I love it. Chuck and Bye. Oh, no, no, that's Chuck and Billy's. Okay, dokie. And uh, Sharon is coming up. I do pray. And uh, so, yeah, we want to keep, we want to keep in fellowship. We want to keep touch. And uh, there are probably many, many others out there. Love you so much. Listen, we've dined again. God is so good. He meets us every time. And I just appreciate him so much. And uh, like I said, join us on Wednesday night. We are Rehoboth Institute of the Arts. I am Phyllis Ledbetter, your host. And this has been our live podcast. Wow, what a show. We are picking up again in the series titled Let's Talk Love. And let's, I'm going to add to that. Let's talk love. Let's live love. Hallelujah. May our Lord be praised. Celebrity through my, okay, I'm missing something. Love you, great show you are. (laughs) I am becoming a celebrity. Yes, you are. (laughs) Every one of you are, are great people. May the Lord bless and keep you. And I'll see you, God willing, on Wednesday, I do pray. 
eight o'clock. Remember Eastern Standard Time. So that means you got to look at the, you know, the world clock and know when when your time is. So be blessed. And thank you, Pastor Thomas. Thank you, Sharina. Thank you, Sharon, for coming from God Will Make Away Ministries in Wadesboro, North Carolina. Join them again. It's been good. I so appreciate you. Take care now. See you soon. Ciao. And go out rejoicing like the trees of the field, right? Clapping their hands. And we pray that the Lord will plant this new seed of love in us so that we are nourished and he nourishes it and it grows. We become the trees of righteousness that he has planted. Bless you now. 